Chapter Thirty of Adeline Mowbray by Amelia Alderson Opie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pam Moscato. Chapter Thirty. Little did Mrs. Mowbray think that it was her own child whom she was hastening to relieve, and that while meditating a kind action, recompense was so near. Adeline, while trying to finish her letter to her mother, had scarcely traced a few ineligible lines when she fell back insensible on her pillow and at the moment of mrs mowbray's entering the cottage savanna who had uttered the shriek which had excited her curiosity had convinced herself that she was gone for ever the woman who accompanied mrs mowbray entered the house first and opening a back chamber low-roofed narrow and lighted only by one solitary and slender candle mrs mowbray beheld through the door the lifeless form of the object of her solicitude which savanna was contemplating with loud and frantic sorrow here is a lady come to see what she can do for your mistress cried the woman while savanna turned hastily around here she is here is good madame mowbray madame mowbray shrieked savanna fixing her dark eyes fiercely on mrs mowbray and raising her arm in a threatening manner as she approached her then snatching up the letter which lay on the bed woman she exclaimed grasping mrs mowbray's arm with frightful earnestness read dat tis for you mrs mowbray speechless with alarm and awe involuntarily seized the letter but scarcely had she read the first words than uttering a deep groan she sprung forward to clasp the unconscious form before her and fell beside it equally insensible but she recovered almost immediately to a sense of her misery and while in speechless agony she knelt by the bedside savanna beholding her distress with a sort of dreadful pleasure exclaimed ah have you at last learned to feel but is she is she indeed gone cried mrs mowbray is there no hope and instantly seized the cordial which she had brought with her assisted by the woman she endeavored to force it down the throat of adeline their endeavors were for some time vain at length however she exhibited signs of life and in a few minutes more she opened her sunk eye and gazed unconsciously around her my god i thank thee exclaimed mrs mowbray falling on her knees while savanna laying her mistress's head on her bosom sobbed with fearful joy adeline my child my dear dear child cried mrs mowbray seizing her clammy hand that voice those words which she had so long wished to hear though hopeless of ever hearing them again seemed to recall the fast fading recollections of adeline she raised her head from savanna's bosom and looking earnestly at mrs mowbray faintly smiled and endeavored to throw herself into her arms but fell back again exhausted on the pillow but in a few minutes she recovered so far as to be able to speak and while she hung round her mother's neck and gazed upon her with eager and delighted earnestness she desired savanna to bring editha to her immediately will you will you said adeline vainly trying to speak her wishes as savanna put the sleeping girl in mrs mowbray's arms but she easily divined them and clasping her to her heart wept over her convulsively she shall be dear to me as my own soul said mrs mowbray then i die contented replied adeline die exclaimed mrs mowbray hastily no you must not shall not die you must live to see me atone for it is in vain said adeline faintly i bless god that he allows me to enjoy this consolation say that you forgive me forgive you oh adeline 
for years i have forgiven and pined after you but a wicked woman intercepted all your letters and i thought you were dead or had renounced me for ever indeed cried adeline oh i had suspected that nay more mrs pemberton is now in london in search of you in order to bring you back to happiness as mrs mowbray said this savanna drawing near took her hand and gently pressed it adeline observed the action and saying by it that savanna's heart relented towards her mother said i owe that faithful creature more than i can express but to your care i bequeath her i will love her as my child said mrs mowbray and behave to her better than i did to hush cried adeline putting her hand to mrs mowbray's lips but you shall live i will send for dr norbury you shall be moved to my house and all will be well all our past grief be forgotten returned mrs mowbray with almost convulsive eagerness adeline faintly smiled but repeated that every hope of that kind was over but that her utmost wish was gratified in seeing her mother and receiving her full forgiveness but you must live for my sake cried mrs mowbray and for mine sobbed out savanna could you not be moved to my house said mrs mowbray there every indulgence and attention that money can procure shall be yours is this a place is this poverty this here her voice failed her and she burst into tears mother dearest mother replied adeline i see you i am assured of your love again and i have not want beside still i could like i should wish to be once more under a parent's roof at that moment the cottager who was present and returning with usury to mrs mowbray's daughter the anxious interest which she had taken in his proposed various means of transporting adeline to the lawn a difficult and hazardous undertaking but the poor invalid was willing to risk the danger and the fatigue and her mother could not but indulge her at length the cottager as it was for the general benefactress having with care procured even more assistance than was necessary adeline was conveyed on a sort of litter along the valley and found herself once more in the house of her mother while savanna sharing in the joy which adeline's countenance expressed threw herself on mrs mowbray's neck and exclaimed now i forgive you mother dear mother cried adeline after having some minutes vainly endeavored to speak i am so happy no more an outcast but under my mother's roof nay i even think i can live now added she with a faint smile had adeline risen from her bed in complete health and vigor she would scarcely have excited more joy in her mother and in savanna than she did by this expression can live cried mrs mowbray oh you shall you must live and an express was sent off immediately to dr norbury too who was removed to kendall to be near his elder daughter lately married in the neighborhood dr norbury arrived in a few hours mrs mowbray ran out to meet him but a welcome died on her tongue and she could only speak by her tears there there my good woman don't be foolish replied he it is cursed silly to blubber you know besides it can do no good giving her a kiss while tears trickled down his rough cheek so the lost sheep is found but oh she will be lost again faltered mrs mowbray i doubt nothing can save her no cried the old man with a gulp no not my coming so many miles on purpose well but where is she she will see you presently but beg to be excused for a few minutes you see said he by my dress what has happened gulping as he spoke i have lost the companion of thirty years and and 
here he paused and after an effort went on to say that his wife in her last illness had owned that she had suppressed adeline's letters and had declared the reason of it but poor soul continued the doctor it was the only sin against me i believe or any one else that she ever committed so i forgave her and i trust that god will soon after they were summoned to the sick-room and dr norbury beheld with a degree of fearful emotion which he had vainly endeavored to hide under a cloak of pleasantry the dreadful ravages which sorrow and sickness had made in the face and form of adeline so here you are at last cried he trying to smile when he sobbed audibly and a pretty figure you make don't you but we have you again and we will not part with you soon i can tell you almost starting as the faint but rapid pulse met his fingers that is i mean added he unless it please god mrs mowbray and savanna during this speech gazed on his countenance in breathless anxiety and read in it a confirmation of their fears but who's afraid cried the doctor forcing a laugh while his tone and his looks expressed the extreme of apprehension and his laugh ended in a sob mrs mowbray turned away in a sort of desperate silence but the mulatto still kept her penetrating eye fixed upon him and with a look so full of woe i'll trouble you mistress to take those formidable eyes of yours off my face cried the doctor pettishly for by the lord i can't stand their inquiry but who the devil are you she is my nurse my consoler and my friend said adeline then she is mine of course cried the doctor though she has a devilish terrible stare with her eyes but give me your hand mistress what is your name me be named savannah replied the mulatto and me live and die wid my dear mistress she added bursting into tears zounds cried the doctor i can't bear this here i came as a physician and these blubberers melt me down into an old woman adeline must order all these people out of the room and have you to myself or i can do nothing he was obeyed and on inquiring into all adeline's symptoms he found little hope and everything to fear but your mind is relieved and you have youth on your side and who knows what good air good food and good nurses may do for you not to mention a good physician added adeline smiling and a good friend in that physician this it be to have money said savanna and she saw the various things prepared and made to tempt adeline's weak appetite poor savanna mean as well her heart make all these but her hand want power during this state of alarming suspense mrs pemberton was hourly expected as she had written word that she had traced adeline into lancashire and suspected that she was in her mother's neighborhood it may be supposed that mrs mowbray adeline and savanna looked forward to her arrival with eager impatience but not so dr norbury he said that no doubt she was a very good sort of woman but that he did not like pretensions to righteousness overmuch and had a particular aversion to a piece of formal drab colored morality adeline only laughed at these prejudices without attempting to confute them for she knew that mrs pemberton's appearance and manners would soon annihilate them at length she reached the lawn and savannah who saw her alight announced her arrival to her mistress and was commissioned by her to introduce her immediately into the sick chamber she did so but mrs pemberton almost overpowered with joy at the intelligence which awaited her and ill fortified by savannah's violent and mixed emotions against the indulgence of her own begged to compose herself a few moments before she met adeline but savannah was not to be denied and seizing her hand she led her up to the bedside of the invalid adeline smiled affectionately when she saw her 
but mrs pemberton started back and scarcely staying to take the hand which she offered her rushed out of the room to vent in solitude the burst of uncontrollable anguish which the sight of her altered countenance occasioned her alas her eye had been but too well tutored to read the characters of death in the face and it was some time before she recovered herself sufficiently to appear before the anxious watchers by the bed of adeline with that composure which on principle she always endeavored to display at length however she re-entered the room and approaching the poor invalid kissed in silence her wan yet flushed cheek i am very different now my kind friend to what i was when you first saw me said adeline faintly smiling to the moment when they last met adeline had not resolution enough to revert for then she was mourning by the dead body of glenmurray mrs pemberton was silent for a moment but making an effort she replied thou art now more like what thou wert in mind when i first saw thee at rose valley than when i first met thee at richmond at rose valley i beheld thee innocent at richmond guilty and here i see thee penitent and i hope resigned to thy fate she spoke the word resigned with emphasis and adeline understood her i am indeed resigned replied adeline in a low voice nay i feel that i am much favored in being spared so long but there is one thing that weighs heavily on my mind mary warner is leading a life of shame and she told me when i last saw her that she was corrupted by my precept and example if so set thy conscience at rest on that subject interrupted mrs pemberton while she lived with me i discovered long before she had ever saw thee that she had been known to have been faulty oh what a load you have removed from my mind replied adeline still it would be more relieved if you would promise to find her out and she may be heard of at mr langley's chambers in the temple offer her a yearly allowance for life provided she will quit her present vicious habits i am sure my mother will gladfully fulfil my wishes in this respect and so will i replied mrs pemberton is there anything else that i can do for thee yes i have two pensioners at richmond a poor young woman and her orphan boy an illegitimate child she added deeply sighing as she recollected what had interested her in their fate i bequeath them to your care savannah knows where they are to be found and now all that disturbs my thoughts at this awful moment is the grief which my poor mother and savannah will feel nay they will be quite unprepared for it for they persist to hope still and i believe that even dr norbury allows his wishes to deceive his judgment they will suffer indeed cried mrs pemberton but i give thee my word that i will never leave thy mother and that savannah shall be our joint care it is enough i shall now die in peace said adeline and mrs pemberton turned away to meet mrs mowbray who with dr norbury at that moment entered the room mrs mowbray met her and welcomed her audibly and joyfully but mrs pemberton aware of the blow which impended over her vainly endeavoured to utter a congratulation but throwing herself into mrs mowbray's extended arms she forgot her usual self-command and sobbed loudly on her bosom dr norbury gazed at the benevolent quaker with astonishment true she was drab-coloured but where was the repulsive formality that he had expected zounds thought he this woman can feel like other women and is as good a hand at crying bout as myself but mrs pemberton did not long give way to so violent an indulgence of her feelings and gently withdrawing herself from mrs mowbray's embrace 
she turned to the window while mrs mowbray hastened to the bedside of adeline mrs pemberton then turned round again and seizing dr norberry's hand which she fervently pressed said in a faltering voice would thou couldst save her and and can't i can't i replied he gulping mrs pemberton looked at him with an expression which he could neither mistake nor endure but muttering in a low tone no dear sweet soul i doubt i can't i doubt i can't by the lord he rushed out of the room from that moment he never was easy but when he could converse with mrs pemberton for he knew that she and only she sympathized with his feelings and she only knew that adeline was not likely to recover the invalid herself observed his attention to her friend nor could she forbear to rally him on the total disappearance of his prejudices against the fair quaker for such was the influence of mrs pemberton's dignified yet winning manners and such was the respect with which she inspired him that if he had had his hat on he always took it off when she entered the room and never uttered anything like an oath without humbly begging her pardon and he told adeline that were all quakers like mrs pemberton he would be tempted to cry drab is your only wear another and another day elapsed and adeline still lived on the evening of the third day as she lay half slumbering with her head on savannah's arm and mrs mowbray lulling editha to sleep on her lap was watching beside her glancing her eye alternately with satisfied and silent affection from the child to the mother whom she thought in a fair way of recovery while dr norbury stifling an occasional sob was contemplating the group and mrs pemberton her hands clasped in each other seemed lost in devout contemplation adeline awoke and as she gazed on editha who was fondly held to mrs mowbray's bosom a smile illuminated her sunk countenance mrs mowbray at that moment eagerly and anxiously pressed forward to catch her weak accents and inquire how she felt i have seen that fond and anxious look before she faintly articulated but in happier times and it assures me that you love me still love you still replied mrs mowbray with passionate fondness never never were you so dear to me as now adeline tried to express the joy which flushed her cheek at these words and lighted up her closing eyes but she tried in vain at length she grasped mrs mowbray's hand to her lips and in imperfect accents exclaiming i thank thee gracious heaven she laid her head on savannah's bosom and expired end of chapter thirty recording by pam moscato end of adeline mowbray by amelia alderson opie